Marcus steps up and buries it. This will be a wonderful goal. You're listening to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello, welcome to the ESPN Footy Podcast. As you can tell, I am not Matt Walsh. I am Marissa Lordanik, and we are back for the AFLW edition of the ESPN Footy Pod. And we are very, very excited to be talking some footy. We've had round one of season eight of the AFLW, which is bananas to think about. There's lots to talk about, so we absolutely can't wait to crack in. Before we do begin, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We've got a slightly new look lineup for the AFLW pod this year. Like I said, you've got me, Maurice Lordanik, you've got Sarah Burt from last year, and we also have Collingwood player and ESPN intern Imogen Evans. So, Emma, I'm going to go to you first. Welcome to the pod. How are you feeling? Are you excited to talk footy with me and Sarah? Absolutely. I've dreamed about this moment my whole life, so stoked to be here. (laughs) I'm so glad that we could help you fulfill a lifelong dream. Like it means so much to the both of us that you're here, but we absolutely can't wait to chat with you. And Sarah, a big welcome back. How are you feeling? Are you so stoked to have footy back? Thank you. I am. I am very, very excited to have footy back. I actually got in trouble from my lovely husband, also called Matt Walsh, weirdly, um, for saying saying that... uh, the start of the AFLW season is always my favourite day of the year because he thinks that our wedding last year probably should have been my favourite day. But we move on. We all have our we, we all have our own opinions. But yes, very excited. That's how excited I am. Um, and yeah, very excited to be back on board with you guys. All I'm hearing is that you have your priorities in order. That's what I'm yeah, getting from that story. <laughs> But no, like I said, we've had a huge round one of AFLW. So we'll quickly run through the results before we get into some chat. So we started the season with the D's defeating the Pies on Friday night. Carlton defeated Gold Coast. We had Adelaide beating Port Adelaide in the showdown. The Geelong Cats? Why did I say the Geelong? That was weird. Geelong were big winners over the Bulldogs. We had Essendon defeating Hawthorne in a great game on Saturday night. And we had North Melbourne defeat the Saints as well. And then on Sunday's action, we had Richmond beating the Lions, which was a huge one. Sydney getting their first ever win in AFLW. They beat GWS and then Frio beat West Coast in the Derby over in Perth. So Lots to talk about. We do have to start with the Friday night game, though, which was the D's against your Pies, Emo. So do you want to talk, get it out of the way, basically, talk to us about the game, the loss, what you saw, how you guys are feeling, what the kind of vibe is after an opening round loss? Because it definitely wasn't a bad game from you guys. It just kind of the D's ran away with it in that third quarter. Yes, um, you were very correct. We started very well. The first half was very promising on our end. Um, girls were up and about and then yeah with a few changes at three quarter time with the setup we just couldn't really stop their momentum and then yeah once we kind of got the game back on our terms we just weren't able to get enough score to I guess take the win Um, but this is kind of a little plug to an article me and um, Isadora who plays a job GWS, who's also an intern, um, we did a piece on how the vibe after in the rooms after a loss. Um, so I guess that for us, it was disappointing. Um, and I guess if you're not disappointed, then, you know, that kind of means that you don't really care. You didn't really work hard enough. Um, and I think all the girls are pretty disappointed. But 
it's good to feel that and then kind of get over it and work towards the next game. So hopefully we can kind of um, take the motivation into Freo this week. Sarah, I'm keen on your thoughts on this game as well because, like, obviously Dees were just phenomenal in that second half especially. I think a lot of us have tipped them as kind of going back-to-back. Is what you saw on the weekend basically sort of saying, yes, this is a team that is primed to win another premiership? Yeah, and pre, pre-recording we were chatting about how sometimes – it is nice to dream about um, one of the underdogs coming through and making finals or winning a premiership. But um, I will say personally, my exception to that would be Melbourne winning another premiership. I think something that we need to realistically acknowledge is that they have had no changes to their team apart from Daisy leaving. Um, and I suppose if you if you didn't really over-evaluate their side and you just relied on um, Daisy, then, um, you know, you'd think that that was a huge loss. And it was, of course, but probably more in terms of the leadership side of things. Obviously, she's a phenomenal player, but I have absolutely no doubt that they have the depth in their side to just completely uphold any gap that Daisy has left. So um, I love Kate Hoare as the captain. I think that is just such a um, fantastic appointment. Um, But, yeah, on field, nothing's changed. You can see that they are still playing a similar game style. They know how to win a premiership. They know how to beat almost every side. Um, So it was uh, a pretty convincing win for them. I will go back to the pies just quickly because I think even though the Ds were so impressive, it would be remiss of us not to talk about a pie in particular. And Imo, I'd love for you to kind of speak to her game. It was Brie Davies' return from that ACL, which was just horrific. And we know that there's already been another ACL this um, first round. So it's a shout out to Elle Bennett. We hope that she recovers quickly and smoothly and just... God, I hate the ACL, but we don't need to get into that. We want to talk about Brie Davey. Um, The stat line was ridiculous. 35 disposals, 11 clearances, five tackles, and a goal. She's a freak in the best sense of the word. Like, what's it like to kind of watch her and also learn off her as a teammate? She is not only an awesome player, and I guess this kind of gets said a lot, but she's an awesome human, and I love it a bit. And it just made it even more emotional. Like I started crying when she ran out with Britta when they first came onto the ground. And I was just like, this is amazing. Cause last year coming into the club, like I saw how hard they worked and to have them play their first game and Bree to just absolutely kill it in her first game back was amazing. And it's just a testament to her hard work and what she can do. And I think she's leading the group in what's expected of us. So she's an awesome player and I have no doubt that she'll continue to do that week in, week out. I reckon if she keeps playing the way she did, it wouldn't be unfair to kind of put her straight back into best and fairest award contention because, like, we know that before the ACL, she was the literal joint winner. So can't wait to see what more she does. Can't wait to see the pies Bounce back for your sake, Imo. Um, go pies. Go pies. That's exactly <laughs> it. We got it in there. But um, let's move along to some of the other games we saw on the weekend. And Sarah, I'm going to come to you because you are a big Blues 
Nuffy, which people who listened last year will know they won, which we absolutely love to see. Got over the top of Gold Coast by just two points. How did you see this game? Did you like what you saw from the Blues, basically, is my question? Yes and no. Um, I, in general, I'm feeling very positive about Carlton um, in the men's and women's game at the moment. Um, I, I think that Carlton was showing some good things, but I unfortunately I'm not confident that um, we have the ability to beat every other team on the list. I, to be honest, the way they were playing at the start, I felt like we should have won by more. Um, it ended up only being two points. Um, I think it was, yeah, two point loss. So um, it was one of those games where had they run over the top of them and won by a huge margin, then um, you'd be feeling really positive. But, you know, like it was just, it was letting too many, it was too many mistakes basically um, and and not defending enough I think was probably the problem. We didn't have an issue with getting on the scoreboard, um, but the problem is that we were letting them get on the scoreboard too. So um, you've got to have, like you've got to have both sides of the game. You can't um, you can't just rely on on your ability to get the ball between the sticks. So um, I I'm feeling confident that we um, we will have a moderate season, but um, I definitely think that that we do need to improve a bit more, particularly defensively. I would say. Did you have any takes on this game, Imogen? Do you agree with what Sarah's saying about? Carlton or even just like any takes on the Suns because they've definitely improved I feel yes um it was a I ended up watching the last half of the game um and it just seemed super congested like just ping-ponging back and forth and it was like as a player I know how hard those games are and how frustrating it is um so I definitely see what you're seeing Sarah as well um but yeah it was an exciting game in the sense of how it ended but um I guess the standard of football um had improved but there's always like small little mistakes that can really damage like the momentum of this team a hundred percent. One of the other games we saw on Saturday was Geelong absolutely demolishing the Bulldogs. And Sarah, you wanted to talk about this game basically for two reasons. So I'll let you decide which reason you would like to talk about first. But this Cats and Dogs game, what what did you like and what did you not like is basically the uh, the two paths here. The battle of the household pets. I heard someone else say that and I loved it. It's so funny. Um, yes, I was covering this game on the boundary. So I was lucky enough to have a bit of a front row seat. And I mean, actually, to be fair, I you don't didn't have to have a front row seat to notice how amazing Georgie Prasparkas was. She is absolutely prolific. She was last year as well, but it's no surprise that you can see a lot of her older sister Essendon's Maddie Prasparkas in her game style. Um, but she is just quick. She is fierce. She is dominant. 
um her stats were I haven't got them in front of me but um it was something insane she is someone else that I would definitely put up there for contention of best and fairest I know we've only seen one round but she absolutely dominated I think something else that um I was really pleasantly surprised by was she seems to have really matured um I suppose in a leadership sense dealing with um like dealing with people um saying things to her or there was a bit of it was clear that it was clear that they were targeting her the Bulldogs and it didn't seem to frustrate her like sometimes we saw last year she seemed to be really cool-headed um really collected with it which I was really impressed by and we know that that does really help with the game um so a bit more of that emotional maturity too um we did we did start to see but the poor thing booted a clean, beautiful goal and it got called a no goal. And then the AFL, like, they, I don't know why they took like three or four days to come out and say that, yeah, Soz, it should have been a goal. But, oh, my God, we need an arc. Sorry, I should stop saying Soz. But we need an arc, like, honestly. Or, like, we don't even officially need an arc. Everyone there could see it was a goal. It was, a, it was, it was awkward sitting there watching it be called a no goal because it was one of those situations where, like, objectively it just was a goal um so that was really unfortunate I spoke to her after the game and she was obviously um frustrated but as I was saying before she was calm and collected she was annoyed that it had been called a no goal but um she sort of was able to have a laugh and she understood that you know everyone knew that it was an umpiring mistake so um I think that's one issue that maybe we can touch on throughout the season is that we don't have those um, backup umpiring, you know, we don't have somewhere else to appeal decisions to in the women's game and you kind of just have to cop it even though everyone in the league can agree that it was a goal. It sort of like defeats the purpose of the game really. But anyway, they still won um, and the Bulldogs, I I struggled to see what was going on and I'd be interested to hear what you guys think because I often have really big expectations for the Bulldogs because they do have just some of the most prolific players in the league, but somehow they seem to just sort of fall down at the last hurdle sometimes. Um, maybe it's gelling as a team. I don't know exactly what it is, but um, it was they just weren't as good as I was expecting them to be. I wasn't surprised Geelong won, but I was surprised that they were so clearly so much better than the Bulldogs. I'd be interested to hear what you think about that. But no, I think it is interesting. I do agree with you in the sense that like there is that level of expectation on the Bulldogs and I wonder how much of that is that, you know, like of the history of the AFLW, they are a premiership winner. So there is always that kind of like um, level of expectation on them to kind of rediscover that or tap into whatever they found in 2018 and then bring that um, forward with them as the seasons progress. But, yeah, I can't imagine anyone down at the kennel is particularly happy with that performance because, like we said, it was 65 to 17, so really a comprehensive win um, for Geelong. And there always is um, – or sorry, I'll say that again – on the flip side – Geelong playing that well I think is really important and really exciting because for so long Geelong kind of had their defensive side of things really down pat but they kind of played boring 
football. So now yeah. to see that they are full throttle attack, know how to score, have a good spread of goal kickers as well. Like Geelong are, Geelong are fun to watch. You want to watch the Cats play. So I hope it continues. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they go against sterner opposition because, yeah, what the what the dogs offered up was not stern opposition, basically. <laughs> the dogs traditionally have been really strong in defence mm. and it was very clear to see what, what Geelong were trying to do from the first bounce. They were up in attack, as you say. They've they've changed their game style, which is obviously working. But the dogs are normally pretty strong in defense, and they just couldn't. Like it wasn't like Geelong came out and did something, some game style that they've never done before. It was it was quite odd to see the bulldogs sort of scrambling to keep up with that game style because it didn't really seem like it was. Um, it wasn't that groundbreaking from Geelong. So hopefully, it was just an anomaly, and the the doggies get back on their feet. Mm. It's a good point as well. I'm going to do another quick plug for Imogen's and Isadora's article that you can read on ESPN.com.au about losses and bouncing back from a loss. I think there's something that maybe we all like knew on the surface level, but once it's kind of repeated to you in a certain way, you're like, oh my God, that's so true. Because we only have the 10 round season, a loss really is massive in the context of a 10 round season, because um, we were having a meeting in the office and Imogen was literally like, well, we've only got 90% of the season to go. And it was like, oh my God, we've only got 90% of the season to go. Like it's such a small amount of time. So every loss, every win and every draw, whenever they do happen, albeit rarely, it really is so much more massive compared to a, a win or a loss in the men's season. So um, for every kind of team that lost in this opening round, it does feel big because you just you don't have a lot of time to course correct, basically, or find out if it was just an anomaly or if that is the kind of tone you've set for your season. But let's move along because there are more games to talk about. Sunday had three really fun, interesting games. And the one that you wanted to talk about, Imogen, was the Tigers defeating the Lions, which was mm. a really big result in the end. So what did you like? What did you see? Talk to us about it. I really enjoyed watching this game. Um, I thought both teams came out really strong um, and put a really good standard of football on display. Um, and I think the question everyone kind of had on their minds coming into Season 8 was, will the Lions be as dominant as they have been pretty much since Season 1? Um, and I guess, yeah, I mean – don't want to jump on it too early, but the Tigers defeating the Lions, I guess, kind of reinforced the losses that they did have went through in the offseason with, like, leading goal kicker Jesse Wardlaw, Emily Bates, Greta Bodie, like, players like that that had an integral role in their game style last year are now gone and they've kind of had to manipulate their team on the field to kind of, I guess, try and play the same or a similar style. Um but and not to say they didn't play well. I thought the game, like I said, was really good to watch. Um, but the the Tigers coming in with the win was very impressive. And I guess it just kind of demonstrates that maybe maybe the dynasty is over or on the way down. Potentially, you might have another premier winner, another dominant side. Sarah, how do you feel about the potential demise of the Brisbane Lions dynasty? Well, full disclosure, I didn't see this game. It was probably one of the only ones that I didn't see. 
Um, but yeah, you know how I feel about the fall of the fall of one of the dynasties. We know that there's a couple. Um, but I just think we are ready for the good of the competition, the good of the league. Um, I know, Imi, you'd love to see obviously the pies um get deeper into the finals because there seems to unfortunately be that sort of prelim final um curse. Um Although, ironically, this is only the second season that we're going to have a full-length finals as well. So I don't know if you can really class it as as prelims. But um, I I just would love to see one of the traditional underdogs win the premiership or go really, really deep into the finals. Um, and maybe it's going to be the year for one of those teams that um, has slowly been building their way up maybe like in North Melbourne, they're looking really strong and I'm really excited to see how they go. Um, but, yeah, I think we um, it would be nice to see a Melbourne team um, that isn't the Demons doing really, really well. Um, the concern is that particularly with a game like we saw with the Ds um, is that they'll just dominate the whole season. It just will be a repeat of last year and, and spectator-wise, people sort of tend to lose interest. So I am really excited to see teams like Richmond, who have a really strong supporter base from the men's side of things. Um, maybe if the women start doing really well, maybe some of that support will translate and um, and build a bit of excitement, bit of bit of momentum off the back of the Tilly success. Maybe maybe we can harness that um, that's been coming out of Australia and and sees some of the underdogs take the reins for the premiership. I think with this game in particular, like kind of moving focus from the Lions onto the actual Tigers, I think there was like, and I could be completely off base here, but I feel like there was a a mental win in them defeating the Lions because I feel like Richmond have been building over the course of their existence in the AFLW. But there's always just been that kind of, I suppose, half step or half beat that they've been off. Um, And if memory serves me correctly, it was the Lions they lost to in the finals last season. I'm getting nods, so that's good. Um, So I really think that in terms of, you know, I was speaking about like setting the tone for your season because it is such a short season. I reckon there's a double victory for the Tigers here in not only starting the season with the four points, but getting the win over a team that has traditionally been super powerful. And like you were saying, Imogen, it's not like the Lions are suddenly crap because they're not. Yes, they've lost a lot of players, but it, to suggest that those three players were the entire team is just... um not right basically so I think there's a a double victory for the Tigers in the sense that they won on the field but I reckon there's also maybe a mental barrier that's been cleared that they've been able to defeat a team that's actually done really well has kept them out of finals or knocked them out of finals previously so keen to see if it's something that they can sustain and sort of build upon and actually make a really deep run into finals as well but um Let's talk, I think, one last game from round one, and it was Sydney's inaugural win, their first ever win in the AFLW, and it came against their greatest rivals in GWS. Everything about this game seemed to, like, be built around narrative and rivalry and like it started way before the game with Sydney coach Scott Gowans basically being like, 
the Giants. They're the least performing side of all of the inaugural teams. And that's a big statement to make. And then his team come from behind, win, and kind of really, I suppose, back up the coach's claim. So keen on both of your... Mm, Keen on both of your thoughts about this game, but also about Gowan's comments in particular and whether you rate that kind of, I called it shit stirring, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the podcast, so forgive me. Um, Do we rate that kind of rivalry building, poking the bear, that kind of thing? Is it something we want to see if it's done, I suppose, tastefully in quotation marks? Um, Absolutely. I think it's it's awesome because it builds a lot of public interest as well and I guess it it rises the stakes of a game and it just brings more engagement into the actual game of football itself. Um, yeah, and it creates a bit of drama. Like who doesn't love a bit of drama in footy? Um, and, yeah, and I think what he did was fair and what he, like, and I guess, you know, if they lost, then it would also have another whole another effect in the media. Like we'd be kind of not slamming him, but James would be like, well, what happened? But to back it up, I guess, is just how the cookies crumble it and good on him. Sarah, your thoughts, feelings, vibes? Yeah, I agree. I love a bit of shit stirring, um, also in sport. <laughs> but, um, no, I think I think you're right, Amy. It's, it's important. And people that may not be um, huge fans of the actual sport, they love the drama. So some people might get brought in. You're expanding your audience by bringing in that storytelling side of things. Um, again, sort of just to to prove the point, it's like what we saw with the Matildas. Once people knew the drama of, you know, who was dating who or some of that stuff was a bit ridiculous. But, um, you know, who plays with who in the European leagues and um, all of those sorts of things, who'd come back from injury, all of those sort of things. That's what really connects you to the players and and makes you love to see them succeed and heartbroken when they don't. So um, I think that it's the same thing. Having the coach really rile them up is um, is exciting. And I think something that really fed into that was having Chloe Malloy coming from the Pies, coming from a Melbourne team that's well known. As we know, Victoria is a, a huge footy state. So um, people know the Melbourne players probably a little bit better. Um, and having Chloe, I mean, that was a huge loss for the Pies. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Amy, but um, for, for her to then go across there, not only everyone expected her to have an amazing game, the coach said, we're going to win this. She came out there and smashed it and gave them their first win. So it was, I think he knew that they were good enough to win. Um, they did rely on Chloe a lot. So it'll be interesting to see um, you know, if she if her form dropped off or, or something happened, how they could go. But um, yeah, it's it's so exciting to see them have their first win. The scenes at North Sydney Oval Oval as well were just really good to see. Like it seems to always uh, attract a really good crowd. We saw that the men's team was there as well. And it's just, it's good, warm, fuzzy kind of stuff that you like to see because you like to, you know, um, I suppose, see that growth in the off-the-field kind of areas in terms of attendance and all that kind of stuff. So we will wait and see if the Swans can keep it going. They've got Geelong in round two, so it might be a bit of a difficult task, but that's a very good way to talk about round two. So 
I will give you guys some time to get the fixture up, but I'd love to know what match you are most looking forward to from round two. We are recording on a Thursday, so those games are right around the corner. But which game are you guys looking forward to? Whoever has one first can <laughs> go first, basically. Um. Well, I'm happy to go if you go um, But the I guess the first game, Chelsea Randall is playing her 50th. Um, tomorrow night against Richmond Um, and I guess this will just challenge their form as a team beating Brisbane as we just discussed um, at Icon Park so I think that's going to be a really good game to see how one of the dynasty teams in Adelaide and um, go and then how Richmond stand up against them as well. A hundred percent that's going to be a cracking game and we love a 50 game milestone. Sis what are you liking the look of? Yes, I um well I do agree. I think that seeing Richmond Adelaide, I think that's going to be a great game. It'll also be interesting off the back of what we just talked about. Um, with the Tigers, they are looking really good. So it'll be really interesting to see. I'm interested to see um the matchups too. Like we know Mon Conti is in an amazing form. We know the Crows are pretty prolific in general. Um, so I mean, when you talk about the fall of dynasties, God, it would be pretty exciting to see Richmond beat the Crows or at least give it a really good crack. So um, I'm I'm quietly confident that, I don't know if they'll beat the Crows, but I'm pretty confident that they'll um, that they'll be able to hang right in there. Um, but um, the one that I'm really looking forward to, and it's not just because I'm a Carlton supporter, but North and Carlton, if I said these two playing each other last season, I think people would be like as if that's the most exciting game in the round. But as I said before, North have really, really improved. Carlton had a really good game last week. As I said, there's areas for improvement. But I think they both were showing really, really promising signs. So I my tip would be on any day that North will beat Carlton. But I'm really excited to see, again, um, the game structure how they, um, how Carlton try and um, tackle North's really strong defence because we know that they've got some of the strongest defenders in the league. So I'm, um, yeah, hopefully it's a high-scoring, close game. But if not, I'll be really interested to see how they match up against each other. I reckon that will be a good one. I've got my eye on Collingwood Freo and not just because... Imogen's here, obviously, but I'm really excited. <laughs> Go Pies. Um, I'm really excited in terms of what we saw from the Pies, obviously, was impressive in that first half. We've already spoken about it. So I'm keen to see a second game of theirs to kind of really assess where they're at. And by the same token, Frio obviously beat West Coast. It's always been that kind of game in the Derby with Frio really being the dominant team there. So keen to see where... Frio are actually at against a team that I think will offer up a bit more than the Eagles. So keen to watch that one on Sunday, Arvo. But I think to wrap up, there was one final, there's obviously been a fair few 50-game milestones in that first round and there's a whole bunch more in this second round. But there was one that you mentioned, Demo, before we started. So who was the other 50-game milestone that you wanted to give a little shout out to? Um, yeah, the Suns, Jamie Stanton, she will play her 50th game this weekend, as you mentioned, but she's also the first Sun to reach that milestone. 
Um, she got drafted at pick 127 for Brisbane back in the inaugural season, played a season at North Melbourne in 2019 and then came back up to the sunny Gold Coast in 2020 when the Suns entered the competition. So veteran of the game and I think she's done wonderful things for the sport. So I want to wish you all the best in that game. Absolutely. I think we all do and we want to give a massive shout out to everyone who is bringing up the 50 over the weekend. But I think that's us done for today. As always, you can find us over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You will have so many articles. You'll have all of the men's season stuff covered as well. So definitely go to ESPN for all of your footy needs. Remember to get your tips in. For both the men's and the women's comp, it's Thursday, so make sure you put your tips in because you will forget, basically, if you don't listen to me right now. And as always, we absolutely cannot wait to keep talking footy throughout the season, so we will catch you all next week. Don't miss another episode of the ESPN Footy Pod by subscribing wherever you stream your podcasts.